Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So initially I got a tip and I had basically the understanding that McCarthy had figured out who he wanted on his team. Good evening from New York. I'm Chris Hayes. We just got the names of the people that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy appointed to investigate the January 6th insurrection. Basically, my my colleague Heather and I were able to, at the same time, get sources to confirm who would be McCarthy's five picks. So we were able to break it. Leader McCarthy plans to name these representatives. Jim Banks of Indiana as ranking member, plus Jim Jordan of Ohio, Rodney Davis of Illinois. Lo and behold, when I was running up to McCarthy's office, we ended up seeing some of these members trickling in, which just served as further confirmation. And shortly thereafter, McCarthy confirmed these are the members who will be serving on my team. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... McCarthy has picked five House Republicans from various different backgrounds, and he's hoping that their different strengths, whether it's being strong at Donald Trump's defense, being a good questioner, or being a strong messenger, he's hoping that these members will be able to respond to Democrats, and that's how he picked them. Olivia Beavers on the GOP picks for the January 6th Select Committee and what they mean for the investigation into the Capitol insurrection. We turn to Congress now and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announcing that Representative Liz Cheney will serve on a select committee to investigate the January 6th insurrection. So, Olivia, we began the month with Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, announcing her picks to serve on the committee investigating the insurrection, doing what a bipartisan commission, which was shot down, would have done. Um, She famously included Republican Liz Cheney, but also some well-known Democrats like Jamie Raskin, who led Trump's impeachment earlier this year, Adam Schiff, Zoe Lofgren. And then after Pelosi's announcement came weeks uh, where everyone was wondering who House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's picks would be, if he'd even make picks, until on Monday, you broke the story. Who are his choices? So McCarthy has picked members from various different backgrounds to serve on this committee that he thinks their strengths will be able to help respond to Democrats. So you have Jim Banks, who is the chairman of the Republican Study Committee. Let me tell you, I will never be ashamed to say that Donald Trump is the most effective president of my lifetime. He's seen as a really effective messenger, but this will also be a test for him. He hasn't really served on investigative bodies, Uh but Jim Banks is a ranking member. He's the, the top dog, and he will be able to sort of respond to Benny Thompson, who is Pelosi's pick. Uh, We have to get to the bottom of finding out all the things that went wrong on January 6th. Benny Thompson Uh, and Jim Banks are both measured, you know, more even-keeled and going to be keeping their cool in comparison to maybe Jim Jordan. Think about it. Do you have a functioning First Amendment when the cancel culture only allows one side to talk? If it continues, it won't just be Republicans who get canceled. It won't just be the president of the United States. The cancel culture will come for us all. 
Jim Jordan is the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee. He's also a co-founder of the House Freedom Caucus, which is ultra-conservative. And he is seen as someone who is very effective at questioning, staying on message. He helped respond to the past two impeachments for House Republicans, and he's seen very effective in this space. Mm -hmm. After that, you have Kelly Armstrong. He is a lawyer by trade, and he is also someone who responded to the first impeachment, which was over Donald Trump's contacts with Ukraine, if you remember. And he is sort of in contrast to... Banks and Jordan. He voted to certify. Voted to certify Biden's victory the day of the insurrection in January? Yes. So did Ronnie Davis. He's the second member who also voted to certify. He is the top Republican on the House Administration Committee. And he's also a bit more moderate compared to the other members on the committee. And lastly, we have Troy Nels, who I think is very interesting. He's a freshman on basically his third day after being sworn in. He was one of the handful of House Republicans who responded to the rioters trying to break into the House floor, into the House chamber. I did everything I could to have a conversation with the individuals, you know, on the other side of the door, letting them know that this is not the way that we should be conducting business. We are Americans. So he was right there basically telling them to back off or they would risk being shot by the police officers who are having their guns pointed at those trying to break in. So he's coming from personal experience. Troy Nels is also a former sheriff. So those are who McCarthy gets to lean on to respond to Democrats. So it's a broad group of Republicans when you look at where their experience is, how measured or outspoken they are, how moderate or conservative they are. But there are some similarities, right? Like they all voted against impeaching Trump earlier this year, right? Yes, none of the members on the committee have voted to impeach Trump. And then you mentioned how Armstrong and Davis voted to certify President Biden's clear victory in the 2020 election. Did all of the other three vote against that? Yes, that's correct. So what do you make of that? I mean, those are both events that played heavily into the insurrection and the fallout. The election certification is what was happening when the riots began, when people stormed the Capitol to try to prevent Biden's victory from being certified. And then Trump's impeachment was a direct result of it, looking at his role in inspiring the insurrection. What does that make you think as a reporter who's like, going to be watching the way this committee unfolds. What does it make you think about how these GOP picks might operate as part of this investigation? Well, I think they're they're going to say, you know, the majority of the House GOP conference voted in whether one state or two not to certify the electoral votes. So they're going to say that that since there's a majority, three out of five voted this way, it's representing the conference. Hmm. Um, certainly that is not a point that Democrats can make. I remember asking about this weeks ago, and they were saying, you know, the people who voted against certifying Biden's win should not be on this committee. And, of course, (laughs) Democrats and Republicans are not going to see eye to eye on this, though. So we're already seeing the messaging coming out that's completely, you know, opposing one another. And that's something that I expect to see going forward. So the committee investigation is supposed to get started this week, right? It's supposed to get started in a week. So it was originally going to be on Thursday and it got moved to next Tuesday. Okay. So this is 
pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And we're already seeing, you know, these partisan messages emerge. Yes. You have like a lot of disagreement over, you know, what the people serving on this committee should represent. And this is just a week away. How do you think this is all going to play out? I mean, I think it's going to be a messaging battle at the end of the day. You know, new information can come to light. Uh, You know, time and politics have played a role in, in, you know, the formation of where we are. Instead of doing a commission, we're doing a committee. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're already seeing messaging from Democrats saying, okay, Republicans didn't want to do a bipartisan commission. So this is we're going with the committee to try to make sure that we can still get answers that remain outstanding from that deadly day. And you have Republicans who say this is a partisan effort by Democrats to go after Donald Trump. Some are calling it impeachment 3.0 and also to hurt the GOP heading into the midterms next year. So already you're seeing two very different messaging fronts here. Hmm. What could end up coming from this committee? Is this like the kind of thing that leads to a report? Could it lead to like indictments? Do they have power to like charge people with stuff? Or is this, I don't know, how, how, where does this end up? It's hard to say because they haven't even started. But, you know, certainly if new evidence comes to light where, you know, it seems like someone really messed up or, or blame can really be landing on someone, depending on if both sides believe it, one side believes it. Um, if you remember a couple of years back, there was the Russia investigation Democrats and Republicans came out with separate reports, which was seen for the House Intelligence Committee as being pretty unprecedented for them. We could be seeing that again. You know, it's hard to tell really before it even starts what we're going to land on. Olivia Beavers, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks, Jeremy. Also today... President Biden is tapping Jonathan Cantor to lead the Justice Department's antitrust division, marking a major win for progressive Democrats who accuse the agency of failing to aggressively pursue major tech companies' anti-competitive and privacy violations. Cantor has previously represented companies that lodged antitrust complaints about Google, and his advocacy on the issue helped spur three recent antitrust cases against Google over its power in online search and advertising. Cantor still faces a Senate confirmation vote, and his path to the position might not be smooth, as White House ethics officials had raised red flags about hiring antitrust officials with a history of representing critics of tech giants. And longtime Trump supporter and advisor Tom Barrick is being charged with secretly acting as an agent for the United Arab Emirates. Barrick was arrested on Tuesday. He's accused of failing to register as a foreign agent, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and four counts of making false statements to the FBI. A federal indictment issued by a grand jury in Brooklyn, New York, charged that Barrick put pro-UAE language into a Trump campaign speech in May 2016, took direction from UAE officials about what to say in media appearances and an op-ed piece he published just before the 2016 election, and agreed to promote a candidate for ambassador to UAE backed by UAE officials. 
Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet, and check out some of our other Politico podcasts while you're there, like The Playbook, Daily Briefing, and Pulse Check. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.